Hi, welcome to Bookie. Today we'll unlock the book How to Talk to Kids So Kids Will Listen, and Listen So Kids Will Talk. Parenting has always been the most important subject for parents. Are you struggling because your child always goes against you? Are you worried about not being able to communicate respectfully with your child? Don't worry, all these problems can be solved with this book, How to Talk to Kids So Kids Will Listen, and Listen So Kids Will Talk. A good parent-child relationship is not built by beating, scolding, or yelling, but by the language of love that bonds parents with their kids. This book instructs parents how to use simple and practical methods that allow them to achieve a harmonious and loving parent-child relationship. In such a relationship, children are willing to accept their parents' advice, and parents can find keys to their kids' hearts. The book was co-authored by Adele Faber and Elaine Maslisch from the U.S. They are internationally acclaimed experts on adult-child communication. They also co-founded the New School for Social Research in New York and the Family Life Institute of Long Island University. Among them, Adele Faber earned her master's degree in education from New York University. She also taught in the New York City high schools for eight years. This book is a product of their long-term research with parents through the school and institute they founded. Since its first edition was published in the 1980s, three million copies have been sold worldwide. It has been a bedside book for tens of thousands of parents. Through varied methods such as cartoons, stories, and exercises, this book inspires parents to learn how to deal with the most challenging job on earth, raising their kids. Since its first publication, Adele Faber and Elaine Moslick have earned parent fans from all over the world. Numerous parents have used methods from this book to improve their parent-child relationship. They've learned how to communicate with their kids, and they've changed their family atmosphere, from tense and chaotic to loving and orderly. Numerous parents thank these two authors, because it's their dedication and sharing that allow others to learn how to be good parents. In this bookie, we will introduce the key insights of this book in three parts, how to accept kids' feelings, how to praise effectively, and how to cooperate with kids to find a win-win solution when disagreements happen. You'll learn how to listen and talk to kids, so that your communication will become smoother. First, let's look at an example. Faye's five-year-old daughter is a sweet little girl that always brings joy to those around her. But recently, Faye often complains to her friends that her daughter has become so moody. She often throws tantrums over trivial matters. Faye says her daughter seems to have completely lost her lovable character and it's giving her a headache. Take something that happened last weekend for example. Faye and her daughter were blowing balloons by the lake in the park when a balloon accidentally fell in the water. They couldn't get it back and her daughter burst into tears immediately. At first, Faye tried to comfort her daughter by saying, don't cry. We still have a whole bag of balloons. However, her daughter was not persuaded at all. She kept crying and stamping her feet, shouting, I want the red balloon in the water. Faye had no idea why her daughter was fixated on that red balloon when there were so many others at hand. But she cried for half an hour, being totally unreasonable. I believe that many parents have encountered similar problems. Because of something trivial, kids behave as if they are cars out of control. No matter how we try to manipulate the steering wheel and other car parts, they just don't calm down. 
We finally lose our temper and yell at them to bring it to a stop. Renowned psychologist Dr. Thomas Gordon once said, When a person is able to feel and communicate genuine acceptance of another, he possesses a capacity for being a powerful helping agent for others. When facing emotional kids, the first step that parents should take is acceptance and empathy. Some trivial matters for adults might be monumental for kids. For example, when you drop your favorite lollipop, when you have a fight with your best friend, or when you are criticized by the teacher at school. When facing the problems or emotions of their kids, many parents' first response is to refuse their emotions or to solve the problem. What kids need most, however, is not a solution, but your acceptance of their feelings. As her daughter kept crying over the lost balloon, Faye should have shown empathy for her daughter's upset feelings, instead of immediately denying and ignoring them, and trying to reason with her. If she had done this, she wouldn't have had to struggle so much against the situation. After accepting their kids' feelings, what should parents do to solve the problem? Listening is crucial at this stage. Unfortunately, when facing an emotional kid, many parents prefer to finish the conversation as quickly as possible, rather than calmly listening to what the kid has to say. For instance, when your kid has spent a whole afternoon at school making a bunny doll, but breaks its ear by accident, what would you do? If you say right away, it's just an ear, nothing to cry about, the response will surely be louder crying and rage. If you can acknowledge your kid's feelings after listening by saying, it must have made you very upset, then your kid knows you hear them. Regardless of adults or kids, isn't being heard and understood what people desire most? Speaking of this, some parents might worry, do I have to listen and agree with kids even if they demonstrate inappropriate behavior? The fact is, we should not see the acceptance of kids' feelings as equal to accepting their actions. Have you noticed that kids are rebellious? The more unwanted an act is, the more they want to do it. Merely forcing them to stop can only be counterproductive. On the contrary, when we take the same side with our kids, stopping their behavior becomes easier. For example, when we see kids jumping up and down while eating, of course we worry that they will choke. However, if we then say stop, no more jumping without doubt, they will just jump with more energy. It's better if we put it another way, I see you want to jump high because you are so excited for the delicious food, but it's easy for you to choke. We can jump together when you finish eating. Show that you understand the kids' feelings first, verbalize them, and then propose a better suggestion. Kids can feel your concern and respect through your gentle attitude and language, and they will stop behaving against you intentionally. Alright, now it's time to summarize the first part. Each child is an individual completely different from us, so we can't replace kids' feelings with our own. Therefore, when facing kids full of emotions, the parents' first step should be acceptance and empathy. Acceptance and empathy doesn't mean accepting their inappropriate acts. We can offer more reasonable suggestions to correct their wrong behavior. In the second section, we will talk about how parents should praise their kids. Some parents always complain, the children today are too delicate. You can't criticize them. You can only agree with and praise them, and they are still dissatisfied. Why is it that kids still feel unhappy even if their parents praise them? What is the problem then? 
Ultimately, it's how they praise that goes wrong. Anything, even if out of kindness, can turn out badly if not delivered in the right way, and the same is true for parenting. When praising kids, descriptive praise is more effective than evaluative praise. Recall the words we often use when praising kids, smart, pretty, cute, great, and so on. We usually believe that kids will feel happy when receiving these comments, but in fact, these words often have little effect. But it's not difficult for us to see that, these words are too simple and too general. From such general words, kids can't identify their merits, or understand why they get praise, and they might even doubt your praise. It's sensible that they feel annoyed by such evaluative praise. Descriptive praise is different. When you see your kid spending an hour on solving a math problem, don't say, you are doing great. Instead say, you can stay focused on this difficult math problem until you solved it, and I'm so impressed by that. This demonstrates your approval better. When you see your kid helping other classmates, don't say, you are adorable. Say, I know you wanted to play outside, but you still helped your classmates clean the classroom, and that makes me so proud. This will make your kid happier. Describe what you see and what you feel, and it will constantly empower your kids, so they will increasingly become more confident and brave. Aren't these the qualities something you want them to have? Furthermore, there is another method for praising kids, summing it up in a word. Never underestimate the power of one single word. Not only does it let kids know what a decent quality is, but also gives them confidence. For example, when a child who loves chocolate forces himself to take only one small bite, we could say, you love chocolate, but you only took a small bite. This is called self-control. Or when kids make their own bed and carefully sweep the floor as adults do, we could say, you voluntarily tidied up your room, and this shows responsibility. If we really can't find something to praise at that moment, there is another trick, take a different approach, and praise what kids have done so far. When your kid hasn't got dressed by the time you have to go to work, don't get angry, because it'll only make the situation worse. It's better to put your anger aside and say, well, you have brushed your teeth and washed your face, now we can just get dressed and head off to school. When your kid struggles with a writing assignment, and fails to finish it after a long time, we can offer encouragement. Say something like this, as the saying goes, all beginnings are hard, but you have finished the beginning part. I can see you are trying your best to complete it. And what if your kid is sensitive and vulnerable to mistakes? In this situation, we might choose to regard mistakes as surprises and discoveries. Let's look at the following example. While talking to his mother, a three-year-old boy shook his cup violently causing it to drop to the ground by accident and spill out the juice. The boy then burst into tears. At that time, the mother suddenly announced in an exaggerated way, Sweetheart, you've made a discovery. The boy immediately stopped crying and looked at his mother in confusion. His mother then said, The discovery is that when you shake your cup, the cup will drop, and the juice in the cup will spill everywhere. This made him feel better. After some time, the boy's grandma came to visit with several bags and suitcases. While she was organizing her luggage, his grandma dropped her glasses from her bag. As she felt annoyed with herself and went to pick the glasses up, the boy, mimicking his mother, told his grandma excitedly that he had made a discovery. 
his story made his grandma feel better too. As we can see from this example, we can achieve different results and feelings by changing the angle from which we look at a mistake. It's true that mistakes and failures upset people, but we need to help our kids find small pleasures in life by praising them. Mistakes are nothing to be afraid of. As long as we keep a positive attitude, even mistakes can nourish kids' minds. Alright, that concludes the second part. To sum up, many parents find praise doesn't seem to work, and that's because it also takes skill to praise kids. Parents should use descriptive praise and summed up in one word praise. What if there is nothing to praise? In this situation, parents could praise what the kids have done so far. When kids make mistakes, parents could also help their kids turn these mistakes into opportunities to learn something new. Now, let's move on to the final part. When disagreements occur, how can parents cooperate with their kids to achieve a win-win result? Parents often complain that their kids are disobedient and uncooperative. Why is this? Let's look back on our own childhood. When you were little, what would you do if your parents were in a bad mood and said this to you? You lazy bones, you don't even clean your own room. Come on, wake up and clean your desk and bed. Most of our teen selves probably would pretend that we didn't hear a thing and keep doing whatever we want. We would also secretly complain, you say I'm lazy? Well yeah, I'll be lazy. As we become parents, however, we often unconsciously act like our parents in the past when facing our own kids. How can you expect kids to cooperate if you act like that? How many people can voluntarily cooperate when being blamed and threatened? Not many. Therefore, if we are to ask our kids to do something, an abrupt confrontation won't work. Parents should learn to talk to kids with blame-free language, and only in this way can communication be done effectively. Let's look at an example. Belle is a pretty little girl as her name suggests, and she loves to dress up. She picks her outfit every day, only to leave a pile of clothes on her princess bed for her mother to put away. Belle's mother gradually finds this behavior unacceptable and becomes worried that if she continues to do so, she might develop a bad habit of misplacing things. So here is what Belle's mother tells her. Belle, leaving clothes that you don't wear on the bed makes your room messy, and I feel unhappy every time I have to clean up after you. You should learn to clean your own room. After hearing what her mother said, Belle feels embarrassed for having bothered her mother with her messy room. She says, it never occurred to me that my behavior would cause you so much trouble. I'll be mindful of this in the future and do my best to keep the room tidy. Just like this, with blame-free communication, a possible conflict between mother and daughter was resolved with ease. You see, when you express your true feelings and thoughts about your kid's behavior, your kid will sense your sincerity. This method is more acceptable to kids, compared with criticizing or blaming them for what they've done. Only when kids truly understand what you say, can they do what you suggest. You can also brainstorm together to find a solution to the problem at hand. But sometimes it's not enough to just use blame-free language. Although kids can realize the problem caused by their behavior, sometimes they don't know how to solve it. In this situation, Parents need to open their minds and offer several alternatives to solve the problem, so that kids can have choices. For example, seeing their kid randomly throws a banana peel on the ground, after he finished eating a banana at home, 
the parents naturally would want to correct their kid. There are many ways in which we can approach this. We can remind them by saying, if a banana peel is left on the ground, someone might step on it and fall, so we should throw the banana peel in the trash can. We can also offer choices, saying, you can throw the banana peel in the trash can in the kitchen, or you can throw it in the one outside. If you are concerned that you might not be able to control your emotions and make things worse, you can remind your kid by leaving a note. You can write something like bananas are delicious, but remember to throw the peel into the trash can after you finish. You may even make up a short rhyme about what you want your kid to do, which could leave a deeper impression on them. By offering kids more choices, parents can kill two birds with one stone. Not only can problems be solved, but the kid's ability to find different solutions can be strengthened. Kids will realize there is more than one way to solve a problem. Many parenting books tell parents, you need to be patient with your kids. Don't vent your emotions to kids, because it can affect their physical and mental development. In the end, we are ordinary people, we can get angry or distressed. It's impossible to smile at our kids and hold our temper at all times. When we have accumulated a lot of negative emotions, how should we talk to our kids so that minimal harm is done? The most important thing is to not suppress your emotions. When we feel anger, it's inappropriate to try to suppress it and fake an awkward smile to our kids. They can easily tell if we are faking it or holding our temper. It's better to express than to deny. We need to follow this rule when dealing with emotions such as anger. How do we go about this? Dr. Heim Gannat was a child psychologist. Once in a parent guidance group, he helped a mother solve her problem in expressing her emotions and feelings. The mother was often mad at her son, because he always woke up his little sister and made her cry. The mother wanted to beat her son, but Dr. Heim Gannat offered her a suggestion. She followed the doctor's advice, and it worked well. When her son woke up his sister and made her cry again, the mother said to her son in a very harsh tone, I'm very very angry now, and I'm going to hit someone, just run, run for your life. After seeing his mother so angry, the son ran away immediately. After a while, he sneaked back to his room and asked if he could come in now. The mother said that he could come in, but only if he could find a way to stop his sister's crying. The son then played hide-and-seek with his sister using a funny voice, and his sister started laughing. When your kid's action is giving you a headache, you don't have to always tell yourself to keep calm, express your feelings out loud instead. By doing this, you can let your kid know what went wrong, and also release your emotions by discussing them. There is another trick to encouraging kids to cooperate with us. When asking your kid to do something, Making it short and simple is more effective than giving a long speech. For example, if your kid spends too much time in the bathroom, simply say, two people are waiting for the bathroom. If your kid is immersed in some fast-beat rock music and forgets to turn down the volume, you can also say simply, music volume. If you have made your rules clear, but your kid still breaks them constantly, then you can take action when necessary, so that the kid knows you are serious. For example, little Felix recently developed a new habit of spitting out water when he is drinking. His mother reminds him, don't spit when drinking. But he keeps doing it. Then his mother says, if you want to drink some more water, don't spit. If you don't want to do as I say, 
You can stop drinking and go play in another room. Choose one. Little Felix chooses to drink more, but starts to spit water again after a short time. His mother then puts away his cup determinedly and says to him, You don't seem thirsty, so don't drink. We have a strong impulse to attack others when angry, so aggressive words always slip out of one's mouth, often emphasizing, you. Why are you always like this, look at what you've done, you never care about others, and so on. Such aggressive words are like shrill horn sounds to kids' ears, so they will unconsciously become very defensive. Instead of thinking what have I done wrong, they will focus all their energy on fighting back and defending themselves. Therefore, parents should replace the you with an I as much as possible, turning accusations to an expression of my feelings and needs. In this way, kids can better understand what we mean, and are more willing to find a solution to correct their mistakes. Now we have finished discussing the key insights of the book. Let's review systematically what we have covered today, about how to listen to kids and how to communicate with them effectively. First, acceptance. It means to acknowledge kids' feelings. When kids are upset, angry, or experiencing negative emotions, the first thing parents should do is to accept it. Acceptance doesn't mean merely acknowledging it, but standing in kids' shoes to truly feel what they feel. Only by doing so can we have a good start for further communication. During further communication, we can simply listen to our kids, acknowledge their feelings, provide them with imaginative solutions, and so on. We'll then be able to empathize with them and mend their broken hearts. Second, appreciation. It is the highest level of parenting. Rather than receiving evaluative praise using words like smart and great, kids prefer that parents see how they do something and acknowledge their efforts. Descriptive praise is more in line with kids' needs, and it can make kids more confident and motivated. Summing up the praise in a word can not only give them a sense of approval, but also allows them to understand the meaning of that word better. Even if kids fail to do something, we can still praise what they have done so far. We can even take another perspective and label their mistakes as discoveries. In short, effective praise can help kids build self-confidence to keep trying their best to become a better person. Third, cooperation. It means that when disagreements happen, we need to find a win-win solution. When we see inappropriate behavior in kids, blame-free language can make it easier for kids to accept our thoughts and suggestions. After all, our goal is to correct kids' inappropriate behavior, not to blame for the sake of blaming. When solving problems, if parents can offer more choices, kids are more likely to accept them. Also, when faced with endless parenting problems, parents should not suppress their anger at all times, but let kids know their true feelings. The appropriate expression of feelings not only does no harm to kids, but can solve our problems effectively. Good parent-child relationships are maintained neither by beating and scolding kids, nor by praising them blindly. It requires parents to listen to their kids with skill and love, to think from the kids' perspective, and to use the language of love, to make their kids listen and more willing to accept requests and advice. With more appropriate methods of communication, parents can do a better job raising their kids. When faced with parenting problems in your family, you might just try some of the ideas and methods mentioned above. You will be more at ease and your kids will be more willing to cooperate.